last time we began reading through Psalm 19, a wonderful, powerful psalm. C.S. Lewis argues that this is the finest of all the psalms that David writes because of what it tells us about God and his revelation of himself to us. Let's read through it again. The heavens declare the glory of God and the expanse proclaim, proclaims the work of his hand. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they communicate knowledge. There's no speech. There are no words. But their voice is not heard. Their message has gone out to the whole earth and their words to the end of the world. There's no place you can go to escape the communication of God, of himself, through creation. In the heavens, he's pitched a tent for the sun. It's like a bridegroom coming home from, com coming from his home. It rejoices like an athlete running a course. It rises from one end of the heavens and circles to the other, and nothing is hidden from its heat. The instruction of the Lord is perfect, renewing one's life. You feel discouraged? David says, go to the instruction of the Lord. He will renew your life. He'll renew your soul. The testimony of the Lord is trustworthy, making the inexperienced wise. You don't know what to do. Don't know which way to go, what to trust. You don't have to hunch it. God's giving you his word. The precepts of the Lord are right, making the heart glad. Not only... <laughs> Uh, does is God's word uh, instructive as the right thing to do, but it also shows us how life works best and brings most joy, ultimately. The command of the Lord is radiant, making the eyes light up. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinance of the Lord are reliable and altogether righteous. They're more desirable than gold, than an abundance of pure gold, and are sweeter than honey dripping from the honeycomb. In addition, your servant is warned by them, and in keeping them, there is an abundant reward. Isn't that what you want in life? Not just reward. Wouldn't you love to know you could have an abundant reward? Well, wouldn't you love to know how you could win the lottery? You know, you know, just, not just like to win the lottery, like five, but like an abundant lottery. God says, read scripture, no scripture, keep them. And there's an abundant reward. Ultimately, verse 12, who perceives his unintentional sins, cleanse me from my hidden faults. Moreover, keep your servant from willful sins. Do not let them rule me. Then I will be blameless and cleansed from blatant rebellion. May the word of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Psalm 19 is powerful because it reminds us of what we know instinctively. It reminds us that God is constantly revealing himself to us through his creation. Can't get away from it, through his word. And his plans for us are good if we will listen and follow him. Now, there's another reason that David is thankful for God's self-revelation through his law. He mentions in verse 11, in addition, he says, your servant is warned by them. In keeping them, there is an abundant reward. 
David says God's word teaches us how to live. It offers warnings to keep us from harm, commands that lead us to good. If we would just obey the law of God. Have you ever thought how much better life would be? See, we live in a time that says, oh, no, no, the law of God is not a good thing. We need to get away from it. It's restrictive. It's intolerant. G.K. Chesterton, that great um, uh, writer and, and Christian thinker of the early 20th century said, if man will not be governed by the Ten Commandments, if men will not be governed by the Ten Commandments, they shall be governed by <clears throat> 10,000 commandments. Isn't that exactly where we are today? Our world in the last generation, somewhere from the 50s on, came to this conclusion that, you know, the Bible is just too restrictive. We need to get the Bible out of the public square. You know, the Bible is, is, is just is too intolerant. It's divisive. It takes away freedom. If we just get away from the Bible then we'll be able to really have freedom. And then people will really be able to get along because atheists will tell you nothing has caused more <clears throat> trouble in this world than the Bible. And what has the result of that experiment been? More freedom? No. The result has been that we've created what C.S. Lewis called men without chests. People without moral compasses, without character. So there's more cheating in business than ever. There's more crime on the street than ever. People are, we all hear the stories all the time. Stores are having to shut down in some major cities because crime is out of control and people are just going in without conscience and robbing things. Politicians tell lies, knowing it's like, because it reaches their, it helps them achieve their superior end, you know, that they, they believe in. Are we a more tolerant nation than ever before? No, getting away from the Ten Commandments, getting away from the Old Testament law has made us the most intolerant generation that I've ever known. We have replaced, as Chesterton said, Ten Commandments with 10,000 Commandments. We call it cancel culture. So don't do this, don't say this. And the and rules are being new rules are being written all the time. And people who feel like they <clears throat> the people who are the most easily offended feel like they are the most superior, morally superior. You know, at the same time. Things that were once considered evil, now you're considered evil if you believe in morality. So, if you call homosexuality a sin, if you say, if you believe that people who have gender confusion have an emotional problem, you are the evil one. Parents are threatened in some places. Hey, if you won't support your kid transitioning, then that's child abuse, they'll say. School teachers, school boards feel superior to parents. They're not the kids. They're not the parents. Children, there are children, you see. If men will not be governed by the Ten Commandments, they shall be governed by 10,000 commandments because no longer are we governed all in unity, agreeing that God's laws are true and good. 
but now we have to be unified in what 8 billion people say. Is good. And 8 billion people have 8 billion laws that they all come up with themselves. By contrast, David says, in addition, your servant is warned by them. In keeping them, there is an abundant reward. We should never feel ashamed to say the Bible is true and it's the best way to live and it's the best way to govern because God is true and the Bible is his word and God is loving. Finally, David says, who perceives his unintentional sins? David looks at himself and he says, cleanse me from my hidden faults. Moreover, keep your servant from willful sins. Do not let them rule me. Then I will be blameless and cleansed from blatant rebellion. David puts sins into categories. There are the blatant sins they willfully commit. And those are trouble enough. But what's really terrifying is he says, there are those unintentional sins those other sins that maybe I'm not even aware of. And the problem with both of them is just they rule over. They make, we become slaves to our sins and slaves to the consequences of disobedience. And so David asks, God, cleanse me from my sins, intentional sins and undetected sins. See, it's one thing to be able to know you have cancer and to deal with it. It's another thing to have cancer and not be aware of it because that can destroy you. Say, God, help me deal with the cancer that I'm aware of. But God, I need you to help me to deal with the cancer that I can't even detect. Verse, this reminds me of David's prayer in Psalm 51 where he says, completely wash away my guilt and cleanse me from my sin. Lord, you know all of my sin. Would you wash me that I might be whiter than snow? See, David's goal is to be blameless. Not just to sin as little as possible so his life can be better, <laughs> but dabbling in other sins so that he can kind of have a foot in both worlds. He wants to be pure, be perfect. Jesus said, as your heavenly father is perfect. That's David's desire. Then he closes with this beautiful benediction. Verse 14, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. I love that my rock that I stand on and my redeemer who takes my sin, who takes my failure and redeems and turns it into purity. Powerful prayer. Good prayer for us to read every day. You know, there's an old story about the job of painting the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco, and that it's kind of a never-ending job. Now, I understand the story is not completely accurate, but don't let a good story don't let truth get in the way of a good story. But according to the story, once they paint it all the way to one end, by the time they get to the other end, you know, however long it takes, it it's time to start over again. Again, that's a bit apocryphal, a bit exaggerated. 
The reality is that the sections of the bridge are constantly being examined in detail. A team of people make it their life's purpose, their job is to keep the Golden Gate Bridge in perfect condition and paint in superior shape. Now, why is that? You know, think about this seemingly mundane, monotonous act of constantly examining and painting. Every day, examining and painting, examining and painting. See, the salt air coming from the Pacific Ocean wreaks havoc on the structure if not attended to. If it's not properly sealed with paint, um, it, it can begin to corrode and the cor corrosion can lead to structural failure, which ultimately can lead to disaster. So this team will climb ladders hundreds of feet in the air, hang from harnesses and baskets suspended over the vast waters there in San Francisco's Bay, and even put their lives at risk to paint the steel. Year after year, every bolt, every rivet, every beam, every crevice, every cable gets attention. The safety of the bridge and the safety of the people who use the bridge depends on it. At the opening of the bridge, the bridge architect praised this high priority on this small thing called paint. He said, paint, the great guardian of science against rush, against rust and corrosion of steel has played an important part in the completion of the bridge and will continue to serve through the ages. See, our lives matter so much more than the Golden Gate Bridge. Our souls so much more than steel structures. If the Golden Gate Bridge goes down, some lives are lost for time. But if our souls crumble, we are lost for eternity and we can take others with us. So Psalm 19 is a wonderful reminder that God is revealing to himself, himself to us constantly. And that therefore our lives are in constant need of spiritual repair. Every bolt, every beam, Every section is exposed to the corruptions of this world, but also to the constant presence of God who would repair us, who would cleanse us, who would restore us. Today, God is revealing himself to you and to me, showing his right ways. Isn't it good to know that the instruction of the Lord is perfect, renewing one's life, the testimony of the Lord is trustworthy, making the inexperienced wise. The precepts of the Lord are right, making the heart glad. The command of the Lord is radiant, making the eyes light up. May those words be an encouragement to you today. To experience, to listen to God's voice as he reveals himself to you through his creation and through his word. And the next time you may be tempted to say, I don't have time today to read scripture. I don't have time today to pray and to listen to God. May you pause, remember the Golden Gate Bridge and thank God that he's revealing himself to you and repairing you moment by moment. Heavenly Father, restore our souls we confess, we know that there is a corruption
around us because we live in an environment that is fallen. And we're constantly hearing messages that would lead us to compromise and to discouragement or despair, to selfishness, to envy, to greed, to bitterness. Lord, restore our souls. We thank you that you speak to us through creation and through your word. Give us ears to hear. Through Christ we pray. Amen. Hope to see you soon.